welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Yak Sports Podcast is back. Your Augusta County Sports. I'm Leela McRae. Joe Deck is with me. We're going to talk a little high school volleyball. We're going to set you up for the NCAA tournament. And we have Mike Barber from the Richmond Times dispatch on the podcast with a good interview to do a lot of just that as well. Hey, it's tournament time, so we got to talk a lot about it. But first, let's dive into this high school football. Joe Deck, uh, you were at the draft gap game last week, and that's was setting up to be, you know, the most interesting game on paper going into the weekend. And for a half plus, it 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 did that. It was the most. It was the closest game in the area. It was tight and it was good. And then draft took off. Yeah, it was a great game until about. Four minutes left in the third quarter. And then Stewart's draft finally ran the Stewart's draft offense that they ran against Glenfer. Van and Vance drops a 38-yard touchdown pass to Joel Howard. Um, and then in the fourth quarter, Stewart's draft just poured it on. Um, it was a 3-0 game at halftime. Uh, and Buffalo Gap's defense was doing a great job keying in and stopping the run from Stewart's draft. But once Stewart's draft put Finn and Vance in the backfield instead of two running backs um, and gave that passing threat, you could tell it was just Buffalo Gap was then like, oh, okay, we can't stack everybody in the box. We have to be able to respect Finn and Vance and what he can do with his arm. And uh, it just got ugly quick. Um, So in that fourth quarter, Stewart's draft, uh, again, they, they had rushing touchdowns, uh, as in that fourth quarter, but it, the one came with fan advance, just in the shotgun handing off to Aaron nice and Aaron nice going up the middle because Buffalo gap for the first time in the entire game, didn't have everyone waiting for him in the middle. Uh, so it seemed to really open up Buffalo gaps defense. Buffalo gap never got the ball moving uh, 59 yards on the ground. 109 total. They had 50 passing yards, most of those on one play, uh, 44 of those on one play, to be exact. Um, it, it just felt like I, I, I definitely think some of that is how good Stewart's draft is, but some of that is how one-dimensional Buffalo Gap is. Um, they're running first, second, and third team, and then you know, break glass in case of emergency. We'll throw a pass. Um, Stewart's draft's offense has now played eight quarters and pitched a shutout, or excuse me, their defense has pitched a shutout in eight quarters. And I I have just been overwhelmingly impressed with what they've been able to accomplish so far this year. And looking at Wilson Memorial, I think they're going to pitch another one. I want to go back to, we're going to talk about draft a lot this season. So I do want to go back to gap a second. Cause I mean, that's a team that we still got to figure out. They beat Lorraine. Mm -hmm. But we find out, you know, since that win that Lorraine or Lorraine's out some guys, including Austin Holloway, uh, you know, one of the better running backs in the Bull Run district and in the area mm-hmm. is Gap is Gap's deep. Gap's defense is good no matter who's playing and who's not. If they can hold Lorraine down and they, you know, react well to Stewart's draft, what they're what they're putting to them uh, that isn't probably on tape. You know, they, they have some talent on defense and then then it got away from them. Is their defense good enough to to get them? Wins. It's hard to say in this short season because, like, is are they good, is their defense good enough to beat Riverheads? No. So then playoffs are a, a coin flip. So is their defense good enough though to kind of assure them that next best team? Are are they the third best team, or are we still going to get to that last game of the season 
like we talked about in the preseason, where it comes to them and Fort in that last game to see which one of those two teams finishes four and two. Yeah, I, it's or, a great or, or two losses in the Shenandoah. That's a great question. I want to see what Gap does against Stanton. Um, that'll be the comparable game then with Fort. Uh, I was kind of surprised to see what Fort did, honestly. Um, but I didn't think I, I thought Stanton would have been able to hang in that game a little better than they did. But Fort Defiance responded after losing a tough game to Rockbridge, coming out and just beating the doors off of Stanton. Uh, and good for them. It, it keeps them alive and gives them something to look forward to this week when they got to play Riverheads in a very, very tough game that they're going to have to find a way to just cut down on mistakes and play a flawless game to win that game. But um, to me, I saw what Gap did to Larray. I saw them play Stewart Strapped and just the gulf between. I, I left Friday night saying it's Riverheads, one step draft and then jump off a cliff and there's everybody else right now. I I don't know what to make of Stanton Fort gap Wilson and where they will fall into place. Um, Just because I, I just, I was thoroughly not impressed with what gap was able to do offensively. Now when gap plays Stanton, they're not going to be playing uh, an elite defense like, draft had so let's see what that run game can do can their defense play well i don't know that they held down loray they held down stewart's draft for a half um stanton's not going to have that weapon in the air this year so maybe that helps them and and they can hold them down and get a big bounce back win i just i worry they they had the ratings out today um and i know it's early and People are going to say, well, you can't. I mean, it's two games in. A lot can happen still, and that's very true. It's more this year than usual for week two, yeah. Yeah, and I just I worry when I look at draft is one, and then that's it in the top four. You got three, I think, bull run teams. And three bull run teams probably won't finish there ahead of all those teams, but it comes down to this week. Maybe, yeah. And I think it comes down to, um, and I don't see Buckingham, so I guess Buckingham moved, or I don't know. Maybe they're not playing. Maybe they're not playing. Um, but I, uh, I, I, I don't know, Leland. I, I just when I look at this team, I'm like, yeah. I, I just didn't see enough. I needed them to kind of hang in that game. I needed it to not be a thirty point game. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I, you know, I've, I've been propping Gap up, you know, obviously. I, I mean, I have, like, I can self-admit mm-hmm. that. But, you know, our, I just want to know, I want to know before we get to the last week of the season what's going to happen. I mean, and that's part of what doing this podcast is, is, you know, trying to project. And you, and you throw more risky things out there. But, yeah, when you look at, you're talking about Strasburg, Page, and Clark sitting right there. And I don't have a lot of faith in Stanton staying there ahead of Gap at the at the moment, even outside of this week, I do start to wonder if, if gap can finish four and two, I wonder if their four and two is better than a four and two from the bull run district or, or close enough to, to get them that four spot. And there's two, four and two teams and two undefeated teams or something. I don't, you know, it can play out any different way. I know four and two is not safe. I know that, but five and one probably is. We don't think Buffalo guys can do that. You've got to watch out for these bull run teams 
someone slip into five and one and and then you know maybe there's a triangle of teams beat each other and you you have two bull run teams you know two more bull run teams and you're going to have those three it's it's going to be interesting to see how all that finishes i just want to know now joe and and you're disappointing me that you just can't tell me the answer that i I was gonna say i guess the good news for them the good news (laughs) for them is the uh the wilson game and the fort game will be class three teams that the bull run just simply won't have so that's a little yeah. bit of a boost that you'll get in the power points. Two, and maybe that's two enough points. Yeah. Maybe that's enough to get you into a four. Um, if at a four and two versus a bull run four and two, but. And that's, and that's the thing about that Wilson beating Waynesboro game. That might mean more to Buffalo gap in the end than it does to Wilson. Cause they have that one PowerPoint or, you know, two mm-hmm. PowerPoints that they would get from beating the Wilson team with that other win. So, and from a class three team, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny how it all, works out it's a system we play under i was at the riverheads game they took it to wilson i mean it was just defensive domination from the very beginning first quarter it was over and and, and as nice as i mean we want everybody to win we're positive in general about these teams Um, we want them to win wilson was beat you know seven plays into this ball game from riverheads offense there was a two-play drive that riverhead scored first after a three and out there was six total three and outs from wilson in the first quarter they didn't and get a first down until within a minute under the first half. Um, and uh, Sorry, six, three downs in the first half. They weren't able to capitalize before halftime, and we're down 30, or um, what was it, 35 nothing at the half, mm-hmm. maybe 34 nothing. So, yeah, it was over. As much credit you want to give this offense, and I'll circle back around, there's the defense. I mean, just three and outs all first half, you're going to win a football game. I mean, it's just that simple. You're going to take the morale out of the team across the across from you. I'll give Wilson credit. They came out the second half and fought. They moved the ball down the field some. They they tried to find ways to find something positive. The game was decided, but they still they didn't just roll over. I've seen teams do that, and that's the you know fifty six to nothing games that this one wasn't, and that's just because they held onto the ball a little bit longer. They they didn't three and out the entire second half, and you know Riverheads did put start putting suds in in the late third quarter and the whole fourth quarter. They had you know everybody in, but still like. I, I I saw a fight out of Wilson. I like that. I don't know if it's that different than last year with Coach Major. I don't I don't I'm not necessarily saying it's different. I just I was glad to see the fight there. Um they were up against a tough task. I going back to the offense, Zach Smiley, he was a very quiet 128 yards of offense and a touchdown. Uh Psych Ox was the first two offensive plays of the game for Riverheads, including a, you know, 25 yard touchdown run, and he finished with 74 yards and two touchdowns and those two touchdowns. Noah Smiley was just consistent on like continually getting positive yards, getting 61 yards and a touchdown from the fullback position. And that's what we're used to knowing Riverheads can do is that balanced attack where everybody can run. And if you need to run Zach Smiley the whole game, you can. They did a lot of that at Taswell. He carried the load at last week at Taswell, and that's what paid off for them for the win. It wore him down. But in, in games where you don't have to, Riverheads can disperse the load. Zach Smiley doesn't have to get his beat up. We've seen Riverheads, you know, limit Zach Smiley's carries all the time and it seemed like they were doing that with with just the nine carries there so it's riverheads not a whole lot to talk about that game uh we'll talk about their matchup coming up in a little bit and i the thing that surprised me most from the friday night was continuing to hear zero zero at harrisonburg where waynesboro's playing i that i mean i kept hearing that score i kept hearing zero 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 i was hearing rockbridge beat spotswood maybe the second most surprising thing and really take it to spotswood but 
Waynesboro only lost that game 6 nothing. They didn't give up the touchdown until the second half. And then they were driving and trying to spike the ball when the clock ran out at the five-yard line to when that game ended. And so I know they didn't win, and it had to be a letdown in that moment, but it shows progress. And I don't care if Harrisonburg's down and they fought COVID and uh, tw- Twitter date right before we started recording, they're fighting COVID again. They're not playing this week against Broadway. I, I, I'm not as worried about what Harrisonburg is. Waynesboro was in a game that they had a position to win. They were within spitting distance of a win, and that's an, a, a big leap from where they were a year ago. So I'm excited for that team that they have something positive to build on, even though it's not a win. Six nothing against a Class Five team that isn't that far removed from success and playoff victories. That's that's a good outing for Waynesboro. Yeah, and I know that Coach Jarvis is probably not in the business of moral victories and, and all that. And that's great for coach Jarvis. He doesn't need to be that's you and I can be that, um, for them. And I, yeah. I, I'm with you when I saw that score and it was zero zero at the end of the first quarter, I was like, man, Harrisonburg's really slow start, I guess. And then it was zero zero halftime. And I was like, okay. I was like, well, let's see what happens in the second half. Waynesboro was close for a half against Wilson too. And then it got ugly. And then it was six nothing in the fourth quarter, and Waynesboro's got the ball, and and then I see I, I'm rooting for Waynesboro so hard at that moment, um, and then I get, you know, I see the final and how they lost trying to spike the ball, wow. and I, I just my heart broke for those kids because, like you said, Leela, it's such a such a long way from where they were a year ago, where they don't have enough kids to play, and yeah. now they're playing a five A school. And they are five yards away, less than five yards away from potentially tying or winning the game. Um, man, I really wish. Last in class three C. Yeah, I really wish they could have gotten that win. But I'll say this: it, if Coach Jarvis can get those kids playing that way and buying into the system, because if nothing else, that's a system buying game. Those kids will sit there and go, you know what? We didn't win, but we were in this game all the way to the end. And, and do it next time. Yeah, I, it makes me think, you know, when I look at look at their schedule, I'm like, well, OK, Spotswood's not having a great season. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. I mean, even if you don't prop, even if you're the coach and you don't prop up, hey, you know, we were close guys. If that's not your style as a coach, which is fine, I, I, I probably wouldn't be that way as a coach. You're going to watch a lot of film where you did a lot of things right. Oh, so yeah. Whether you say that was good or not and close, close meant something and. It doesn't matter when they watch. They have a lot of film of what you did right. And you haven't had a lot of that film in the last two years. And and the film you got handed over from the last coach and the film other than the, I mean, you had some of the first half you got, you have a lot of film to watch this year of where you held teams down and, and your defense played well. And you know, your offense needs to get better, but most offenses do during a regular season. So I'm hopeful that they can have that be in that position again. And maybe they can get that ball spiked and they can, have a play to win the game or something like and that. I know, that's what I'm rooting for. I don't yeah. And I know last year, you know, there's no COVID last year and there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on, but this was a team that beat them 43 to nothing last year. And, and this time it took yep. everything Harrisonburg had to hold on to win. Uh, so yep. it, it shows what coach Jarvis has managed to do in just two games with little practice with this team. And it, I mean, I was, I'm like you Leland. I, to, in addition to, Riverheads, Draft, Giant Cliff, Shandoah District. Um, it was 
what Coach Jarvis has been able to do already there at Waynesboro and and the growth we've seen in just yeah. two games. Yeah, you got to like it. So looking at the games up this week, you're going to be at Stanton for Buffalo Gap. The radio is going to be at the game this week. What's your quick thoughts there? Buffalo Gap uh, has got to be the favorite in this game, despite coming off a loss. Both teams are coming off a loss, and for both teams, I think this is an important game. Um, it's kind of ironic, right? We saw both of these teams get big wins in week one that we weren't necessarily expecting week two and both, both of teams them have lost that they beat yeah, lost since then. So both teams took a beating and um, now, now these teams have to be able to respond because yeah. for Stanton, they're ahead by what half a point in the power rating. Um, yeah. The loser of this game, I will say this, they're the loser of this out. game is out done there will be no postseason you're playing for fun and you're playing for pride and whatever else you want to play for but you're not playing for a playoff spot the winner of this as we have alluded to barring an upset of riverheads is going to need help and if you're staying you have to upset draft yeah you're gonna have to upset and riverheads somebody probably um, so I agree with you. I think I like Buffalo Gap's loss better. Um, just I think drafts a better team than who Stanton lost to. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's just what I'm gonna bring it down to. So I, I favor Buffalo Gap in that game. I'm I'm worried that I think I heard it from you that Stanton's hope was their offense would kind of be their strong suit. And that hasn't impressed me yet. No, they Even in the win, what it didn't impress me. What was the week one total one uh, 17 or something like that? It wasn't a lot. Yeah, and they, so they, they got to do better on offense if they're going to win. Anyway. Yeah, and, and so guess, they they scored tough gap defense. Yeah, almost nothing against uh, Ford. So it was, I, I just yeah, seventeen fifteen against East Rock, and then this week it was just another week where I, I left that and they scored late. The touchdown was late. Yeah, I felt like that game against Fort where you only score ten. I'm just like man, and that game was ugly quick. I mean, Fort was up big, quick. Yeah. And and yep. by halftime, that game felt over. So I just, yeah, Stanton's going to have to play better offensively. The defense, the defense did great against East Rock. I don't know. Maybe they can play well against Gap and shut Gap down. Um, Gap's one-dimensional. So if you, can't, if you can't stop a one-dimensional offense, your defense is not going to have much success the rest of the season. So that's the good news. I, I Buffalo Gap's most successful pass play is basically a pass in the flat to a tight end. And they just hope he catches it and runs forever. That's, I, I think that's Buffalo gaps offense. If you come out and score 15 points in the first minute, I, I turn the TV off. I mean, uh, that's I just like, I think 15 points wins this game. It depends who scores the 15. <laughs> that might be a good point. Um, Riverheads at Fort Defiance. Riverheads going on the road for the first time. I'm wanting to see what what Fort Defiance can do. They have uh, Effrey East. They have Trevor Bartley, who both had over 100 yards last game. I want to see if those guys can run consistently enough and keep the ball out of the Riverheads' offense, keep that offense off the field, to where they make that a lower scoring game and keep it in range. I think that's Fort Defiance's hope that keep that keep Riverheads' offense off the field. Don't make our defense top 
tired. We think our defense can slow them down, but on, we have to not just keep putting their offense back in the middle. They can't be do three and outs. we got to move the ball. And even if we don't score every time, as long as we're taking time off the clock and get that score total down, that's going to give us a chance. I, I, I think the running backs are so important for Fort Defiance this week. I think Riverheads is running defense is spectacular this year so I, I just think that's where the game's decided um that said i i just think riverheads is is good i i don't think they played their best game the first week and that was taswell doing a lot of that causing a lot of that i think if they play taswell later in the season riverheads more ready for something like that i think we saw what riverheads does to a lot of shenandoah district teams last week do i see riverheads doing that to sport this week not the exact same way but i think they win this one going away and and I think last year, this was a tight game through halftime. You know, a, a game you're wondering about. You, you know, can Fort stay here? And then and then they faded. I, I just wouldn't be surprised it's pretty similar to that. Just tighter halftime score, and then there goes Riverheads. Yeah, and that's the problem with Riverheads having four to five different backs they can plug in their system and just wear you down. Uh, you don't have four or five deep at every position to make to stop that. So that's where Riverheads takes advantage of their depth in the backfield and I agree with you. I think this is going to be a game where maybe maybe it's close at halftime, but Riverheads in that fourth quarter is going to be up comfortably, and this will be over. And the freshman Cook Cash, he runs so similarly to how Zach Smiley runs, and him being a freshman, it's it's just a little scary. It's it's really scary just to see like a, a mold of Zach Smiley as a freshman coming coming through. And we, we saw Zach Smiley running as a freshman. This kid looks so similar, that Cook Cash kid. Wilson going over to Stewart's draft. Uh-oh. Uh, you know, I think Stewart's draft for real. I did not think Stewart's draft was just, you know, one of the favorites. And even, I mean, they're probably one of the favorites in class 2B, but I didn't have a whole lot of, you know, oh, they're they're going to win 2B. They're going to be back in the state tournament. I, I, think they're, I think they're out of 2B, and I think they're going to the state tournament. And can they get back to the state championship game? And uh, I don't think that smells good for Wilson. I think we just saw what one of those teams looks like last week against Wilson. I think we're about to see another one. Yeah, I think Wilson gets shut out. I think Stuart Strath's defense gets halfway through the season without giving up a single point. Yeah. Rockbridge, Waynesboro. Rockbridge suddenly looking like maybe they're one of the favorite teams out of the Valley District. I know you and I had said TA or Broadway mm-hmm. might win that district. Rockbridge County didn't just beat Fort Defiance last week. They go and beat Spotswood this week, who maybe Spotswood isn't as good, but still, that's a win that I just wouldn't have circled for Rockbridge, no doubter. So, so Rockbridge put their hat in the ring, and uh, that's going to be tough for Waynesboro. But I, I just continue to say, if they can make good film week one, they made good film week two, see what you can do this week and and, and see where the dice fall. They're not going to win, but try it. <laughs> Show up. Yeah, I was going to say, I... <laughs> <laughs> this is not going to be a six nothing. We're singing the praises of Waynesboro after the game. I agree. Um, I, I agree. But there is a score. There is a score that I nod at Waynesboro of. Okay, you got beat, but okay, it's probably not too far past double digits, but it's there. Twenty-one. If they stay within twenty-one. Yeah. Very impressed okay. if they can do All that. Right. I, I just think Rockbridge's offense is explosive. It's not poo-pooing Waynesboro. I just think. Rockbridge's offense is explosive, and I, to me, I, I still think maybe Broadway, maybe TA can beat Rockbridge. I don't think Rockbridge has played the best teams in the Valley District, so I need to see yes. him do that before. Well, yeah. Because <laughs> Spotswood ain't it. Yeah. 
Um, Spotswood's not so, it. And uh, Harrisonburg is not it this year. So, it. so still, Valley District still got to prove. I think we, we've mm-hmm. gotten a good taste of the Shenandoah Valley District still up in the air. And even though East, uh, your point about Rock, even though East Rock's not technically in the Valley District, they're playing that Valley District schedule. They're not it either. I think some of those games even got canceled. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think they have a pretty limited schedule this year. I think, I think they're as good as done. Um, we'll check on that fact for next week. I think your point that you made about Rockbridge's explosive offense, that's what makes me think Fort's defense can hang around Riverheads, that that they did hold back Rockbridge's offense, who have good runners, who have good throwers. Riverheads can throw the ball. They just don't go to it often. So I'm just, even even if they can do it, I'm just not as scared of it if I'm a defense from Riverheads. You, you got to cover it, but you're probably still singling that out. I, I just wonder if Fort can just hang in this ball game. I think the offense, though, has got to help them hang in this ballgame. Moving on. Uh, we I, no, no, Let's real quick, and I think we kind of hit on this. I have Cody's uh, rankings over to the right on our sheet here. And it starts with Riverhead, Stewart's draft. Um, this was the rankings last year where I think I kind of called out a couple times that I thought, you know, Riverheads needs to be right up there with Spotswood. You know, I think at middle of the season I was pretty high. Like, Stewart's draft isn't faking here. Um, and I think Cody was quicker on Stewart's draft. I think he's got it right to start the season here, and I don't see a lot of those teams overtaking Riverheads or Stewart's draft. Is there any big issues from Cody Elliott's rankings that you see there? I know I just got done saying I don't know if Rockbridge, I want to see him play one of the top teams in the Valley District. I don't know. If he's Rockbridge, got that pocket right there. If Rockbridge, Rockbridge played Bridge Riverheads. I don't know if I would pick Riverheads. Oh, really? So why wouldn't Fort Defiance not hold Riverheads down? Uh, you shook your head when I said that. Mm-hmm. This audio podcast, I got I to tell people what motions you made. Yeah. I don't think Fort Defiance will hang with Riverheads because I don't think Fort Defiance can stop four different running backs for an entire game. I think Riverheads is bigger. They're more disciplined. And I think they're going to wear them out. Uh, Whereas Rockbridge played them in a snowstorm and Rockbridge loves to throw. They they completed passes. Fort was right there. They completed passes, but it's definitely harder to throw the ball in the snow than it is on a nice day. I would love to see Rockbridge and Riverheads play with sunshine and or a clear night and no rain. I I just I would love to see that game. These class three teams that aren't going to necessarily even, you know, they're not going to go win a state playoff game. They're not going to go win a state semifinal game. I I I put Riverheads in a matchup with them. I, I, I don't just think it's decided. I think those state finalists for for um class three, it's harder to make that argument. I just. I don't know. I don't. I don't necessarily think Rockbridge is coming out of Class Three C. So I just, I, I even say that more. So that's, that's my opinion. I'm, yeah, and you have no bias, I'm, so I'm, you know, an extreme amount of bias. But I've also have a lot of data where they beat teams that are in that similar range. So. Yeah, but we saw what the how they struggled against Taswell, and this kid's better than the Taswell quarterback. Their receivers are better than the Taswell wide receivers over the years and had success and they've gotten beaten sometimes. I just, I, I think that they wouldn't just get run off the field. I, I don't think it would be, I don't I think, think they get run off the I field. I don't think they'd be, they get run off the field. I'm not saying that, but 
I would love to see someone of Jay's caliber go and with the receivers they have go against Riverheads because I don't Riverheads isn't going to play that. I like Van and Vance. I think Van and Vance is great. I especially for a sophomore. Especially for a sophomore, but I don't think Seward's draft has the weapons on the wide receiver side that Rockbridge has, and I don't think Van and Vance is Jay. So I would love to see that game. Yes, they'd have to find a way to slow Riverhead's offense down, but I would love to see that game. I, I won't ignore. I won't ignore that comment. It would be fun to see that game. It would be fun to see these games that we think Riverheads might get challenged in. Yeah, even me, I, they would. Each win, week I go in like, and I say this is game. a twenty-one point game. Best yeah. case scenario, uh, that's not yeah. going to be a twenty-one point game. So we will pull that segment in every once in a while. We'll get Cody's rankings and we'll we'll look at those. And uh, maybe not every week, but uh, we appreciate Cody doing that. His notes on each team are very helpful. Uh, high school volleyball kicked off last week. We've really pumped that Fort Rockbridge uh, one and one there, going uh, to host Rockbridge and then going down to Rockbridge uh, in the same week. Fort didn't fare well. They did get swept in both of those. Rockbridge is tough again. I, I think Fort will get better during the season. I don't think that's just right Fort off, no doubter. But you are going to want to see them kind of roll through some of these other teams if you think by the end of the season when they get in into a class three C tournament that they, they are going to be better enough to beat Rockbridge. I, I wouldn't pick it that way right now, but I, I do think Fort Defiance will improve. And if they, if they play each other in the three C championship or semifinals, I'd be surprised if it's a sweep by that time. I know the coach at Fort Defiance is really good. I she'll get them playing better. This is the first week and you're playing your toughest games right then. That's what's hard in this shortened schedule. When you're playing non-district games, it's you're not, you don't even get one warm up before those hard games. So we'll see what Fort can do coming up this week in volleyball, a lot of, you know, good local matchups, still some non-district stuff and then moving into the district, but draft and Waynesboro playing, but then we get going on the, on the in district with draft and gap and Fort at Stanton. And at the end of the week, gap at Fort and Stanton at Riverheads, uh, that gap at Fort game on Thursday could be pretty fun. Uh, you know, gaps had a history of decent volleyball and, and Fort, I was just talking about expecting them to be plenty strong and, and, and get stronger through the year. So that should be a fun one late in the week. Yeah, you know, it's obviously, like you said, it's a bummer that they got swept by Rockbridge. Um, but you just got to try to win the rest of your games, take care of what you can take care of. And, I mean, I'm looking forward to if they get an opportunity to play them again. But hopefully they will, um, and we'll see what happens there. But uh, I, I think I'm excited to see with this week I, I want to see what happens when R- Fort plays Riverheads because I know I've I've been there before and that's been an interesting matchup. So I'm I'm interested to see how that one shakes out. Yeah, next week. Yeah, that'll that'll be a good one. I'm sure we'll talk about that. A, oh, I, that is next week. Next I was week. looking at the wrong week. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. Nah, that's me. yeah. Reading. I hard. got a lot of information on there because I know tournament tournament bracket week. I'm gonna uh, need all the notes already on the sheet that I can get. <laughs> yeah, reading's hard. So all right. all right, college. So talking about what's about to dominate our lives, uh, college basketball, the ACC tournaments this week. So the domination starts right now. I care so much about the ACC tournament. As soon as they kick off on um, Tuesday night or Tuesday afternoon, I will be paying attention. There's a TV on at work that'll be on it. Thank you, Debbie. Um, but then games that evening. 
selfishly, I'm just happy the Hokies are in a spot where they get to play at night. So I don't have to either be very, very distracted at work or take off time at work to see the Hokies play in this tournament. And so the Hokies are in that three seed. They won't play until Thursday with the double bye. We're going to talk a lot about this with Mike Barber, but I know UNC playing a bit better. They're going to play the winner of Notre Dame, Wake Forest. I'm not scared of UNC. I, I just all say it that way. Like we're, we're going to battle in that game. We're going to fight and we're going to have a chance to win that ball game. Yeah. Unless Roy Williams retires before then. I don't know. I'm nervous. This is a prove it game for Roy. Um, and Virginia, I didn't like Virginia tech the last time they had a giant layoff. I, I hope coach Mike Young's good enough to learn from that and, and then have his guys learn from that and use that the right way and talk about that. I don't think that we were, we got beat, we got beat down. So I don't like how we looked. We also didn't play as bad of a team. I think we all thought we were playing that night either. So I, I think you use what you can, you know, you got to be better than that. You know, the, how you rebounded later that week and played pretty well over the weekend. So you had the layoff pretty much from the beginning of that layoff. You knew it was going to be, you weren't going to play either of those games. You're going to be off for a week and have to go into that next week. I, I would just, I, I like coach Mike Young as a coach. And so I think that he will have them ready. And I, and because I'm an optimistic person, that's what I'm going to say. All right. UVA sitting at the one seed. They kind of won the ACC. It reminded me of how Fort Defiance won the ACC. They just, they won games. They had the best record, but some teams kind of had to lose there for them to get in there. And uh, I don't, you know, I, I wasn't as impressed with UVA as I was other teams. Florida State was a team I was scared of all year. The Hokies avoided playing them because of COVID. I, I'd rather have just played them even if we lost, but that probably helped us in the long run, maybe. It scares me if we have to play them again. And they, I believe they are we are in their area on the bracket. So that will scare me at that point. But I think UVA early in this ACC tournament will be what we expect UVA to be. I just, I don't expect to see them playing on Saturday, maybe on Friday. That's fine. But I just don't see, I don't expect them to be playing in that ACC championship game on Saturday night. So you have Georgia tech or Clemson. I got something happening. I got something happening. At uh, one point, Clemson was decent this year. Uh, I just wonder if, well, if they, yeah, then they kept playing, around. then they kept playing games and they're not good. I'm, I'm, I just, I don't know. Virginia lost games. I didn't expect them to lose this year. Yeah. I don't think so UVA think is good either. I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't think the ACC is good. We talk about this with Barber and he says he thinks that when these teams are playing their best, they can make it to an elite eight. I bless him. I, I don't, I, I think when these teams are playing their best, I think they need one hell of a draw to get to an elite eight. The credit I'll give Barber there, whether I agree with him or not, he's seen these teams play live a whole bunch for many years. So we'll just, we will see. You and I don't even agree on everything. So uh, we'll see how it works. Make sure you stick around for Barber in the next block as, as he will say what Joe just said he says, and he'll say other stuff as well. JMU, their season's over. The basketball, or not over, but they're, they're, it could uh, it's, be. Uh, it's they over. did not win the CAA tourney like they needed to to secure a bid into the tournament. And now with the NIT taking a smaller field just because they won the regular season doesn't mean they're automatically going to be in the NIT. So they got to sit and wait and wait through Sunday to see if the NIT takes them, which I would say is unlikely. And uh, But it's a heck of an improvement of a year. And a lot can be said that we will talk about moving forward and we'll bring back up when they start going again. 
But right, the weekend with talk after this game was all about these technical fouls that were called. In this I, game I that just were so meaningful. Yeah, and I'm watching, you know, videos that leak online and and stuff like that, and they're never great quality because it's flow sports and that's what you get when you're at a sub conference like the CAA and you get sub officials at a sub conference who are barely above, you know, just your run of the mill guy that you pick off the street. So, um, to me, it seemed pretty early on in the game when a JMU player got a tech for screaming and one, um, and coach Byington says, saying and one is a tech now and he and the referee says it is today well that's fine uh it's ludicrous but whatever i don't think it is fine when the caa apologizes today to him and the referees and, well but the other thing apologizes. is elon later in the game kid screams and one no tech there no tech for the kid from elon coach Byington gets a tech and an hour and a half after the game the caa says oh well the coach was out of the coaching box well let me be the first to say <laughs> huge apology uh, to the CAA here, but apparently their CAA officials uh, are all blind because I haven't seen a coach in the coach's box in any college basketball game all season. They have all walked onto the court and out of the coach's box screaming at their players, screaming at officials in general out of the coach's box and late in a game that is that tight for us to be saying welcome to the ref show is inexcusable. Those guys can't, if you're the CAA, I know it's hard to get officials, but you cannot let those guys officiate another conference game in this tournament. You introduce them next year quietly, see how it goes. But the rest of this tournament, there is no way you can have them back. They've just embarrassed themselves. It was, it was an atrocious thing. And yeah, you're right. Sources today, from uh, Shane Mel- Metlin at the DNR. Sources, JMU coach Mark Byington received apologies from the CAA Hoops Commish and director of officiating who said both technical fouls called on the Dukes yesterday during the league quarterfinals were unwarranted and lacked common sense, which is a far cry from what the com- director of officiating said <laughs> yesterday. Uh, so, again, it just goes to show you that. Um, and, and I agree with something that was said by Shane these players, these coaches, have to answer tough questions after games. Why do why do officials not have to answer tough questions? Hey, why did you hand out two techs that were absolutely nonsensical technical fouls? Yeah. Why is that? Why is that unfair? It's not, it's not the ref show. Yeah. yeah. Why is this unfair? And I made the joke on Twitter. I was like, "Well, I'm just glad the few people that are able to get into the game." Uh, with COVID protocols, we're able to see what they paid their hard-earned money to see and get to see some officiating take over the game because that's what you really want to see. In college basketball, conference tournament season, especially these mid-majors, what you really want to see is a game decided by officiating and not players. It, it's just, it sucks. JMU had a huge lead. They shouldn't have allowed Elon back in the game. So credit to Elon for putting themselves in a position to win. But yeah, I it... It's hard when you don't have your best player. It's harder when it looks like the officials are not calling it down the middle. Sad way for JMU season to potentially end. We will see if 
And, and one more thing before we move off this. It just adds fuel to the fire. JMU fan base already wants out of the CAA. They hate it. They hate flow sports. They hate everything about the CAA. They want out. And so all this does is just pour fuel on that fire. And eventually that's going to come home to roost. I, I just think, I, don't even, I think it's, you're counting down days. I don't even have an argument. I, I think before the flow sports TV contract, I, you know, I had some positive things like, you know, big fish in a little pond. There can be some success with that. Like if they're not ready to commit money across the board, you know, this and that. But after that flow sports, I mean, ever since this flow sports contract, I've been a hundred percent on board. They got to get out. They got to find a way out of the CAA. They got to play big boy football and spend your money. So your other teams can compete. Some of them will be okay at first, but you're going to have to kind of commit across the board. Um, your basketball's headed in the right direction. You can try to continue that momentum. Um, and then ride, you know, your good softball, your good field hockey that can compete on, on good levels. Your, yeah. your football is going to win some games. They're not going to go up to FBS and just lose everything. They might not immediately be in a bowl game or anything, but you, you got to see. I mean, they're, they recruit well. So, yeah, um, it's, well, I guess I said days. It's not days, up. but it, it's a win, not if. They're, it's going to happen. I, I would have to think. Uh, sticking with college basketball for a minute, just reminding all our listeners, we will have the Exports bracket again this year. It's through ESPN.com. If you search the Exports podcast, it came up for me, so hopefully it comes up for you. But the name of it and number is the Exports podcast, 6495279. There'll be tweets, there'll be Facebook posts, and we will talk about it again next week. Uh, I encourage you to sign up this week and then fill your... It is not on ESPN. It is on Yahoo. Say it again? It is not on ESPN. It is on Yahoo. Or is that I've a different one? Already invited everybody from the from. It's a different one, but that's fine. <laughs> okay, I, my I bad. Right and don't need to my bad. Like, all right, you're in two different brackets with me. So, <laughs> that's fine. We've confused all our listeners, but yeah, ESPN is where this one is. You obviously didn't send your invite for that one, yeah. uh, but uh, feel free to join again if you were in it last year. And if you weren't, join now. Uh, you know, Jeff Wright won last year. Rob finished second. Angela Mickens finished third. I'm tempted to not invite them this year, so me at fourth has that much of a leg up. But I won't be that means, but everybody's welcome. Uh, I beat Joe last year. That's all that really mattered. But, uh, you know, whoever wins, whoever is the top finisher that's not already on the podcast, uh, they will get an invite to come on the podcast. So uh, if that's if that's the big win, you know, we don't play for money. We we play for the fame of the Exports podcast. Could you imagine? Um, so we encourage everybody to play. Even if you're picking by mascot colors, we want you to play. So uh, we'll talk about uh, we'll talk all about that again next week. But. Get ready for bracket filling out time. It's that time of year, and I I don't I I think I was a little bit worried about it at this point last year on the Monday before the ACC tournament. I was getting worried about what was about to happen. Uh, I think on the Tuesday night or Wednesday night, you and I I said like this thing's about not to, this thing's about to get canceled, and you argued with me, and then one of us was right. I'm not nearly as scared this year, so uh, thank goodness for that. And uh, I wish Joe was right last year. I so wish Joe was right last year. I wish this pandemic wasn't as bad as we thought it was going to be. College football, speaking of COVID, JMU football is now on COVID quarantine and not playing this week at home against William and Mary. The only person I talked to about this story today had just spoken with someone else who finally got tickets to a JMU home game this year and was so excited that they got to go this week to watch him play William Mary. So some hearts are broken there. Uh, what's worse is that it, it might not just be this week. So mm-hmm. cross your fingers, Dukes fans and hold on tight because uh, 
This is what every team playing right now is worried about. Every high school team, every college team, doesn't matter football or if you're still playing basketball, if you're playing volleyball. Uh, I know some local teams have some volleyball quarantine stuff going on. This is what they're worried about, and JMU's living it. They're 3-0. and They got through that game last week with a big comeback uh, by putting in Gage Maloney at quarterback and getting Johnson out, the quarterback that I was kind of worried about from day one. Um, but the, that news gets overshadowed with the fact that they're going to be sitting out this week. Yep. There's not much to say. It's just, nope. It stinks. There's no positive spin. Um, yeah, you're not even going like it's yeah. not even a thing of, I mean, are you scared of William and Mary? No. But no. did you play good the last two games? No. No. But you want to be playing. And, and that's, I think it's so much easier to comprehend that phrase. I think 13 months ago, we don't understand that phrase. At least they're playing. You know, at least it's it's happening. We, we didn't know we could not have sports. So I do think there's a level of, yeah, they played bad the last two weeks, but man, you want to see them back out there this week. Even if they're going to lose to William Mary, you want to see them out there. So, um, I think it's always better to have played and lost than to not have played at all. So I, that's where we are with JMU football. So unless you have something deeper to say on JMU football, I'm getting out of here to the B block with Mike Barber from the Richmond times dispatch. It's ACC tournament time. We always try to get Mike Barber on around this time. Last year we had him after a couple games of the ACC tournament, which ended up being all of the ACC tournament. Uh, but th- we do have Barber on ahead of the tournament this year. So we want to welcome Mike Barber from the Richmond Times Dispatch. I don't know if you've recently upset any coaches at Virginia Tech. So I don't even know if I have any witty comments to bring you in with. No, no, I think I've been on uh, everybody's good side, uh, especially <laughs> Mike Young. I mean, I voted for him for Coach of the Year. He won Coach of the Year. So I think everybody's okay with me for right now. Well, fall's coming. Yeah, I was going to say, I saw they were mad at somebody <laughs> else. I saw they were mad at somebody else, a local writer who didn't vote for Mike Young. So Yeah, I think they got Norm. I think they yeah. got Norm Wood this <laughs> week. So uh, well, wait till spring term. football. Wait till spring <laughs> football. I'm sure we'll have some more ludicrous crap or something wonderful like that to go with good we got to bring you back down to earth i mean you're an award-winning writer uh once again so we you know we got to get you down always a good idea right (laughs) so the acc basketball tournament starting um obviously we care most about the Hokies and uva so we'll start there uh while i'm sitting here in my virginia tech t-shirt with a db's jersey hanging behind me and my degree on the wall beside me just tell me that the Hokies are going to win this thing and uh, rise in the NCAA elections proceeding and, and everything good. I think they have as much of a shot as anybody else. I do think it's wide open. I, I think the thing that you got to love if you're a tech fan is the way they've played defense all year long. Right. I mean, that you could talk about Kevin Aluma. He's been great. I mean, he's mm-hmm. been outstanding. You talk about some of the other weapons they have, some of the things they've done. Um, but at the end of the day, the thing that's been there from the Villanova upset kind of all the way through has been that defense. And, you know, I had a, another ACC coach describe it this way. They said it's like Virginia's pack line when you're near the rim, but it's like Florida State's defense when you come across half court. So they're getting out, they're pressuring you, they're getting up in your grill, you're getting your hands in the passing lane, hand on the ball. Uh, but then it's not one of those defense that's all gamble and, and you blow by it and you've got a free shot at the rim. You, you get past them, you get into the teeth of it, and all of a sudden here's a Luma who really does remind me of some of the best 
UVA defenders at the back of the pack line, Isaiah Wilkins comes to mind. The way he can just make up ground. He can pop out on a shooter and challenge a shot, and then he's back in the paint if there's a pass or a rebound. And um, So I think if you're, if you're a Tech fan, you're hanging your hat more than anything on how good Mike Young's defense has been this year. So I know Cone was injured. We thought he was coming back, and, and Radford's back. Is Cone going to be back here for the tournament? Do we? I, excuse me for not maybe being up to the last minute on Hokie Twitter. Uh, it's been a quiet weekend on Twitter for me. So are we going to have Cone? <laughs> I, I think so. Now, we're, we're going to talk to Mike Young and some players tomorrow at 10 a.m., um, so maybe have a better idea then. But, but the word had been that Jalen Cone was really close uh, he wasn't going to play the last two games against Louisville and NC State. Those games never happened, so it didn't hurt Tech in that regard. Um, the expectation was to have him back for the ACC tournament. Now, guys, the question is, when you say back from an ankle injury, does that mean, okay, he's ready to go this week? Well, now he's got to get in shape. He's got to get up and down the floor. Or was that saying, hey, he's going to need to get in shape, get up and down the floor. He won't play the last two games, but he'll be ready to go in Greensboro. Um, there's a chance, I think, that he's going to be ready to go. And, you know, you think about him in an ankle injury, what makes Jalen Cohn special? It's his ability to elevate for that jump shot. So you really want him to be healthy for him to be as effective as he can be. And that double buy doesn't hurt anything for that, I'm sure. Exactly. Although this team, it's been since what, February 27th yeah. since they played. So, uh, but no, you, you never want to. Maybe uh, for Cone is good. The rest, it, maybe it's rust. <laughs> it's always good to get a free pass, you know, through a couple rounds of the ACC tournament. But yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. You know, this team did not look good when it came back from the first break. Uh, but against the four seed. Yeah, against a very good team. But, you know, they're going to be playing a good team when they come back into this one. True. The the big thing for me is there were times in that first break that they only had four or five guys to practice with. And, and and I'm not questioning their effort or anything, but you can't get much done with four or five guys. You just can't. This time, Mike Young says he's had close to a full roster. So in other words, he can go five on five. They can run some stuff. They were really getting some work in. And they've been through it once. There's no guarantees this year in anything. But I think Virginia Tech is going to come back closer to form closer to game ready this time around so with with all that being said and they're going to be more game ready i want to kind of bridge the gap between tech and uva before we move over to uva i said last week and i still feel this way even though uva wins the regular season in the acc i watched uva play this year and sure all things considered i definitely have a little bit of a bias being a virginia tech fan but I didn't get the feeling watching UVA that they're necessarily a better team than Virginia Tech. And I, I don't feel like they have a better resume necessarily. I, I look at their their schedule and I just don't see any marquee wins. With Virginia Tech, I can look at it and go, hey, they played four top 25 teams and they beat every single one of them. Um, and when they played, Tech manhandled UVA. Um, so... UVA didn't play Florida State twice. They didn't play Tech twice. Um, so I kind of felt like UVA was almost a beneficiary of the games they didn't have to play. And, and that's what allowed them to win a conference title in the regular season. And yet, when you look at it, you're like, well, they won the ACC. They're obviously the better team here. Uh, but it just didn't feel that way to me, like UVA was the best team in the conference this year. 
I still think Florida State was the yeah. best team in the conference this year. Um, and, the, you know, obviously that game was in Tallahassee when UVA played them, but that wasn't close. I mean, that was a whooping. So to me, Florida State's still the team to beat. Now, the separation between Tech and UVA, it's interesting because Tech ended up missing a bunch of its toughest games. It, yeah. it had yeah. the advantage of playing a lot of its tougher games at home. Um, you know, I got a lot of flack for that when I voted for Mike Young for Coach of the Year. People looking at Josh Pastner, and it was really close for me between Mike and Josh. I thought Mike did more with less. I, I thought Tech coming in, I expected less from the Hokies, and Mike got so much out of them, whereas I thought Georgia Tech had a good team, and, and they maybe still overachieved. But, uh, you know, Virginia Tech didn't get a lot of their marquee games in. UVA didn't get a bunch of their marquee games in. Worse for UVA is some of the ones they played, like Florida State, they just got thumped, right? So what's worse? Like, you didn't get to play Florida State and Carolina, or you played Florida State, and they absolutely put put it on you, Um it's interesting. It's hard to compare. I would defer to the head-to-head and say, hey, look what oh, Tech I did. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's just I think to me that in this crazy year, hey, if you, if you put your five on the floor and they put their five and you won, um, you know, there's the edge. Now, Virginia's one of only two teams in the ACC that played everybody at least once. So there is some, some merit to that. You did get the sample. Uh, there's always an unbound schedule in the ACC. It's always a debate. This mm-hmm. year with the cancellations, it's all over the place. It's why coaches from, from Mike Krzyzewski to Tony Bennett, they're all saying this is going to be the most wide open tournament, not necessarily that it isn't going to sort itself out where the best team wins, but we really don't know who, who matches up with who, who is the best, who's the worst. We, we really don't know as much as we usually do. We don't have the comparative data points. And um, again, I defer to head to head, but I, there, there are very few teams in the top, let's say six that if they won this thing, I would be surprised. I mean, I really, I like Florida State. I think they're the best team. But any of those teams in the top six, I hate Louisville's draw. But mm-hmm. I really like, you know, all of those teams uh, when they're at their best. And, you know, in, in the COVID time, the question is, who's going to be at their best for two, three, four days in a row? Do you think this might be a year moving to kind of the NCAA tournament, I guess? Um, do you think this might be a year where the ACC struggles to get a team in the elite eight. Uh, I just, I look at this conference. Look, I'm a tech fan. Tech's one of the best teams in the ACC this year. And I love it. But I also know Virginia tech is inconsistent uh, when it comes to a national scale. And I've said that on this podcast before to Leland and, you know, Leland says he's not afraid to play anybody. And I'm like, okay, well, I've got a list when I watch other teams like Baylor, Gonzaga, Michigan, Illinois, uh, the top in the big 10, the top in the big 12, Gonzaga. I mean, and yet, someone's got to be positive, Joe. Yeah, Leland's yeah. Leland is the positive person <laughs> on here. But I, I look at the whole ACC and I feel that way. Like I just said, UVA won the regular season in the ACC. I don't think that's an Elite Eight team. I don't even know if that's a Sweet Sixteen team if they're in the wrong region. So, I, and the seats kind of bear that out. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think, I think though, at the end of the day, we're going to be pleasantly surprised by the ACC. Um, mm. I think these teams are good, not great. Right. So I don't think there's going to be a couple final four teams. I don't think there's a national champion coming out of the ACC this year. I just don't see it. Uh, but I think Virginia, when they're at their best. Yeah, I think that's an elite eight team. Virginia Tech, when they're at their best. Yeah, I think that's an elite eight team. Florida State, no doubt. Uh, but I think that's true of Louisville when they're at best. And, and I think that Carly Jones, even though Virginia just shut him down, I think Carly Jones is the kind of guy like he's made for one shining moment. 
Like he's going to be the name that everybody's talking about. And I don't know if it'll happen for him, but I mean, that's the kind of kid that can just catch fire in March. And all of a sudden Louisville's an elite eight team uh, because of how hot he got Carolina, man, that front court, like they were terrible. They were inconsistent, but that front court that can get you to the elite eight. So there are teams, Clemson's defense. We already talked about Georgia tech, Moses, Wright, the, the player of the year. So there's a, pack of teams right there it's almost like less ACC teams are going to make it maybe six or seven this year but any one of them at their best could be the elite eight but you're right there, there's nobody that I look at and say watch out Gonzaga here comes yeah who no it's the other way around man watch out Florida State you don't want to face Gonzaga right um so yeah. speaking of Gonzaga is is Gonzaga your turning favorite or do you have another team that you look at as the team you're penciling in on your bracket I think Gonzaga is my early favorite. I, I love the test of the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it feels like a year that maybe the 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 one, two, three in the Big Ten, they're just so battle-tested. But, I mean, the way Gonzaga has just been dragging people, and, and again, seeing it um, with Virginia. And, and, and Virginia obviously was horrible that day, and, and they've been up and down all year. But um, Gonzaga is just, you know, they, they passed the eye test. And it's not, you know, I remember when I was in Harrisonburg, Every year we did a story on Dan Bonner and how he had been like one of the first people to get on Gonzaga. This is back in the day. Gonzaga, I mean this in a good way, they're old news, man. Like Gonzaga is a big time program. So um, it's not a cute story. We we know they recruit big time players. They got a big time coach. They can win big time games. I just don't know that they're as battle tested as some of the people coming out of the Big Ten right now. So I'm going to have to give it some thought there. But yeah, I mean, if, if you're a fan of team a, you don't want team a to be in Gonzaga's bracket. I think that's the one you go and think, and I'd like to avoid that. All right. So the other story in Blacksburg and I, you know, we haven't talked about hooky baseball, I think at all in the last three years of this podcast. <laughs> I mean, it's exciting right now. They're ranked. They went down to Miami and won the series. They hosted UNC this weekend, won the series at home. They're doing this, uh, you know, after a Homer, they're catching a, a, um, a sledgehammer and just hitting the ground with it. And the whole team reacts. And uh, if that other, if another team did that to us, it's the most disrespectful thing I've ever seen, but I love it. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> it's, it's so good, but I mean, even, even still, I don't think I'd be that up in arms, even if it was a different team, but I mean, talk about the excitement and hokey basket, hokey baseball and what they're, it seems like they're coming out of nowhere, at least a little bit. I just had, I didn't hear this coming. Yeah. I don't know that we knew this was the year. Um, John Chef is a phenomenal coach. We knew John from uh, his time at Maryland, the, the rivalry they developed with UVA, the friendship he has with Brian O'Connor. Um, I thought that was a home run hire by Whit Babcock, and I thought it spoke to, you know, Whit played college baseball. His dad was a college coach, took JMU to the College World Series. So there's, even though it's not a sport that maybe moves the needle in terms of finances, I think there's a, a special place in the heart for Whit Babcock for baseball. And I think he's taking care of that program, the renovation they've done at, at English field. I mean, just phenomenal top notch. Right. Um, did I know that this was the year that the on-field product was going to match all that? Probably not. No, I think they've been a little bit better, but um, it's an exciting team to watch. I mean, they can hit the ball. Um, I think they have some arms that, that, that will last for the year. Um, and again, I have a lot of confidence in John Chef. He's a, he's a great guy, but he's also a really good program builder, right? It, it isn't just about what move you make in the bullpen in college baseball. It's about program building. And so maybe we shouldn't be surprised that he's kind of quietly been building to this moment. 
All right. So we'll get you out of here because uh, you just helped fill out most people's brackets and we're going to have a, a competition for the podcast for that. And I don't want you spilling too many more secrets. Uh, but uh, what have you been possibly binge watching when you've had a moment or anything you've watched, even since the last time we had you on? So even if it was over Christmas break, what's something our people need to look, need to be watching? Yeah, we, we've done a bunch, actually, um, which is surprising because there doesn't seem to be any free time. But we just finished WandaVision, which I really liked. And I think people, and I'm glad I can say this on the podcast, the first two episodes were hard to get through, right? Like, there was no action. Like, if you if you like Marvel, if you like that, the first two episodes didn't have much for you. They were like sitcom episodes, and then at the end, like a little teaser of, oh, it's going to get better. And I think a lot of people probably jumped ship. We didn't jump ship. And it really picked up. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it uh, after that. Um, the other one I've been watching while I'm on the treadmill, because it's a little more uh, mindless, is uh, Designated Survivor. <laughs> I was a big fan of 24. <laughs> um, Designated Survivor, the pace is a little ridiculous, yeah. right? Like every episode, there's an earth-shattering crisis, and then it's over. And at the end of the episode, they tease next episodes are like, there's not a day off. And it does remind me a little bit of 24 where you were like, Hey, does Jack Bauer ever take a nap? Does Jack Bauer ever use the bathroom? Uh, but it's like for, West for, Wayne with violence, <laughs> it, it is. And, and when you're on the treadmill, it's kind of nice because if you miss a crisis, it's okay. Cause there's another crisis 20 minutes later. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if I was sitting on the couch dissecting it, I don't know that I would love it, but uh, it, it's been a good light watch for me. So you and Patrick height are the one division guys. And, uh, for me, I take y'all's word for it, and I hope I hope our our listeners that are going to go with that enjoy it. I just I won't see y'all there. It's fine. <laughs> it, it really, it was really hard to get into. I mean, I was excited because I do like um, Marvel Comic Universe. I do like those movies. I do like the characters. I watched the first episode, and I, I looked at my wife, and I'm like, "That was weird." And she's like, "It was weird." And I'm like, "Do you want to watch the second one?" She's like, "We'll give it a shot." And we watched it, and we were kind of like, "I don't know." Uh, and then the next night, I think it came down to the fact that like we hadn't picked anything else. So like, all right. And by the third episode, we're like, oh, oh, it's picking up now. OK, now there's going to be some action. There's going to be some fighting. There's going to be some uh, drama and violence. It isn't just this kind of quirky show. Um, I think they did a great job with it artistically. But yeah, man, it was a little tough sledding to get into it. Well, I want to make sure everybody knows to follow you on Twitter and to read everything coming out of the Richmond Times Dispatch from you down at the ACC tournament, because uh, you'll be in the middle of it, I'm sure, with stories in every direction, especially on the teams that we care about. So thanks for uh, being there, Mike, and we look forward to having you on again. Yeah, thanks, guys. Great to talk to you. Time for the D-Block here on the X-Sports Podcast. Thanks again to Mike Barber for coming on, and good luck to him down at the tournament covering that for the Richmond Times spat. But what is dominating my life, Joe? I'm going to keep it quick because I've talked about this topic before, but I'm on a justified rewatch right now, and I'm loving every minute of it. I just really enjoy Raylan in the spring, I think is what it is. That's when it used to come on FX with the new episodes. It run from like January to April with the new episodes, and it just feels weird for winter to be dying out without hillbillies getting shot by a guy in a cowboy hat. I just, it's where I'm at. And uh, so I've put a lot of, those things you've recommended that I'm like, oh, yeah, we're going to watch that. Yeah, don't talk about it. We're going to watch that. I put a lot of those to the side for the moment. Nightly, I'm at least getting a little bit of Justified, and it's it's been great. It's been a great week. Wow. Well, that's good. That's, um, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't done a Justified watch in a little bit, but it's a good show. And I definitely, if people are out there that haven't seen it, they should. 
Uh, what's dominating my life is um, not soccer. That cool. is... Uh, We're not saving that for what I don't know, right? That's been just <laughs> depressing. Um, Liverpool has lost... Six. I thought it was not soccer. It's not soccer. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> I'm going to say why it's not, and then I'm going to move to what is. Um, Liverpool's lost Ugh. six straight home games for the first time ever in the history of the club. Um, so. Since aught four or whatever or something? Uh, another. No, you know, 1892. Um, Ooh, even better. So, <laughs> I I don't even know. I mean, of course you have the crazy fans who want to fire the manager who are just, I don't know. Those people don't have brains, but anyway, Mark, Mark of the time. Cause I think here in like three weeks, like you'll be one of them. No, I don't care what <laughs> happens this year. I don't care what happens this year. He won the first premier league title in the history of the club. Now they've won top flight titles before, but it's the first premier league title. It's the first title of the top flight in 30 years. So yeah, you, you know what? I'll forgive a guy when he has, you know, 15 injuries, and uh, when you total up the number of players who have missed matches, it's over 360 or something like that. So I'll forgive a guy. Um, but what has dominated my life has been hockey, your other favorite sport. Um, I am getting super into hockey. I've got the NHL pass. Um, man, let me tell you, the Caps, obviously, number one. Uh, favorite, but when I'm not watching the caps, the other team I'm loving to watch and I am uh, rooting for, for mm, investment opportunities, the ice cats love me some Florida Panthers hockey. Let me just say, if you can watch the Florida Panthers, the Carolina hurricanes or the Tampa Bay lightning, those are the three best teams in the NHL, in my opinion. Unfortunately, division, huh? Unfortunately, they're all in the central. So central. Okay. Yeah. The discover card central division or whatever (laughs) they call it. Um, yeah, unfortunately they're all in the same division and they're all excited. ESPN is interested in their league again. That's why they, (laughs) yeah, they're all going to have to play each other in, in that first few rounds of the playoffs or the first two rounds of the playoffs. Uh, Toronto technically has the most points in the league, but I I don't buy them. They're playing a bunch of other Canadian teams who I don't think are very good. Uh, But Tampa Bay, Carolina, Florida, I've watched them. I've watched some other teams. It just seems like to me those three teams I can usually count on to win their games and look good doing it. Fair enough. Let me jump in with what I know that you need to know, because I think it's less interesting than what you haven't told me you're talking about yet. Uh, the what I know that you need to know, and basically I put it here because I forgot to put it in the notes above, Dak Prescott did get signed to a four-year deal. They're not franchise tagging him in Dallas. It's a pretty fair mismanaged situation by J- Jerry Jones. Mm-hmm. The reason I bring this up to have anything positive to say is that I ignore the star on their helmet. I ignore the fact that Jerry Jones is involved in it, and I think it's smart for football teams to hold on to a quarterback that isn't ancient, that has talent, that you're better with than you're not. You're, you're better with what you know you have than the possibilities of a lot of what's in the draft. And so unless they really thought they were getting Russell Wilson or something, I, I didn't think 
they needed to do anything other than re-sign Dak Prescott. Just give him what he wants. I like that they did it a day ahead of the franchise deadline. So at least there's the image that they care about their franchise quarterback a little bit and didn't make them wait for the 11th and a half hour to get this done. And uh, I think Dallas is better off for it. I will hope I am wrong about that. I hope Dallas does not perform well. I'm trying to ignore my biasness against them, but I think it's wise for them to hold on to him rather than move on from him. I wanted to say my brother's joke here, but I cannot remember it for the life of me. Um, I bet it was good. It was. It made me laugh. It was a dad joke, kind of, but it made me laugh. Um, I'm thinking about Dwight and Angela at dinner, and she's like, I heard a joke today. He's like, oh, that's funny. That's that's what I'm feeling like right now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. How's your cat doing? <laughs> yeah, I got a dead cat on my hands. But, um... So what I know that you need to know is uh, it's a sad mixed mix bag news on Joe Knows the O's this week. Uh, the manager who won the World Series title in 83, Adabelli, Joe Adabelli, uh, passed away. And then V. Ripken also passed away uh, this oh, last yeah, week. That was- uh, and that is obviously Cal's mother. But um and there's like an image of her that's like, you know, team mom. Yeah. At like one point, you know, I remember her in the early nineties, like mm-hmm. kind of having a presence and, and, yeah. and with the, the fact that the whole family was involved in that organization, like you almost expected her to have orange slices over in the first row of the stands or something like that's right. That was the image she had. Yeah. So that was sad. And the good news, um, which I don't even know Leland, like I, I hear it. I appreciate it. But I just keep going back to something you sometimes tell me. Never is a long time. Um, when when the Angelo's son gets on his press conference with the Baltimore Sun and people are asking him, you know, you only signed a two-year extension with the Maryland Stadium Authority. Like, does this mean the Orioles could be leaving after two or three years? Uh, are you selling the team? Blah, blah, blah. And he says, we're not selling the team, which I don't know about that. Um, You're rooting for that. But, and he says, the Orioles are never leaving Baltimore. They were here today, they'll be here tomorrow, and they'll be here 60 years from now or whatever. I'm like, that's, I'm like, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, that's a Baltimore never that I will believe quicker than I will your Lamar Jackson will never win a playoff game comment that you have made that you Super made and argued against. And then he went and won a playoff game. Super like, Bowl? I, I will take Baltimore never leaves it. Cause it just, it doesn't seem right. Like it, it's like the Yankees leaving New York. I just, that's it's how I feel. Not. That's what the Orioles at Baltimore. It's not a team to leave New York. Do you, a league it's with literally so times the Giants, the Dodgers. Yeah, okay, but we're in the 21st century now, and they're not moving to L.A. or San Francisco. Like, if, sudden, for a team a to move from New York today in today's sports marketing world, your league would have to be dying. Your league would be going under if that There's happens. There's not a bigger city that doesn't have a team or something. Like, so what are you saying? Like, it, it doesn't have to be L.A. to move to. Like, they're not moving to Charlotte. They're not... I mean, Vegas is your only, like, thought. That's it. That's the only city I would, like, listen to a decent-sized city, as Baltimore is. Nashville like, keeps popping up. Charlotte, 
Vegas. I mean, those are the ones that worry me. Charlotte Honestly, me. I Vegas want the, one. I want the league to expand and the team to go to Nashville just to put those rumors to bed because it scares the heck out of me. If I, I if I wake up and the Orioles, it's like the Baltimore Colts. Like they left in the middle of the night and they're now the Nashville, I don't know, whatever's the Nashville steamboats or whatever. I, that might kill baseball for me that I have dealt with a lot, especially recently where it feels like Rob Manfred wants me to stop being a baseball fan. But if the Baltimore Orioles who have been a terrible, terrible team, most of my life, now that I can like see what I think is light at the end of the tunnel, and maybe it's just the light on the train that's getting ready to run me over and kill me but I think it's light at the end of the tunnel and I'm getting close to the end. If they were to move, that would kill me. I, I don't even know who I would root for. I don't have another team that I'd be like, yes, I want to root for that team. I would just be like, you know what? I don't want to watch baseball anymore because the, the idea of rooting for the Washington Nationals, I'd rather put my face in a blender. I, I don't want to do that don't just have to go to the next closest team like that's not like a rule i don't <laughs> who am i gonna root for i don't have an attachment to any of these other teams i don't have an nba team so i i the wizard survive without it no i my main reason for wanting the major league baseball to expand i only care if it's one team or a team just to move leagues i want the leagues to have even numbers in both leagues so we don't have to have rolling interleague play throughout the season i like it when we had it the first few weeks in june and then uh in august or late july into august like i liked the wild or the um interleague play except like it all at the same time everybody's playing interleague games about at the same time i i miss that if they expand you're going to have realignment it's not going to be ALNL anymore. I It'll just be, be even in both leagues. Yeah, I think I think Astros screwed us. Now, okay, I'm saying this because I'm assuming Major League Baseball is going to use common sense and I'm giving them a lot of credit. But um I think if they expand, it'll be adding two. You'll have 32 teams. I think you'll have instead of an ALNL, I think the DH goes universal and I think you then have like an Eastern League and a Western League. I think they do like it like hockey and like and the NBA and um, no, I'm saying there is no ALNL. Yeah. But like they, okay. They had ALNL and Eastern Western. So yes. you're just saying, Eastern I'm saying versus Western you have an Eastern and a Western and you play a balanced schedule and maybe you have divisions inside of those. Maybe you don't, I don't know. Um, but you have a balanced schedule and I think that's the future of baseball if they expand. I also don't know how practical it is for Major League Baseball to expand uh, when your fan base is dying, but whatever. I just, the interleague play is really my only main reason. I, I'm sure there'll be some kind of realignment. As but long if they as got rid of, if they got rid of the stupid notion that there's two different rules for the leagues, interleague play wouldn't matter. It wouldn't bother me. Yeah, that wouldn't bother me. But they had their chance. I mean, they, they were voting on it just weeks ago for this season, and I hate nope. I hate them. It's just dinosaurs. It's another player for I don't know why the players vote against it. It's another player. It's an it's a DH. It's another position for the National League. Because the pitchers like going up and striking out a hundred times a year. I don't know. 
because Dontra will uh, what if, in the bat anymore. Get over it. What if Chris Davis got to bat in the nine hole every game? That's what we want to <laughs> see. Like you want that pitcher batting eight. You gotta you gotta account for those times that it happens. <laughs> but that will wrap things up for us here on the Yak Sports Podcast. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod, Facebook Yak Sports Pod, or you can email us yaksportspod at gmail.com. Subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify so you don't miss another episode. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. Until next week, folks, have a good week and a good night. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.